0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, June 3rd, 2012. Passing the Torch, Rebellion or Obedience Given by Lori Brown, Pastor Spiritual Formation On Elijah's last day, the Lord tells him to go from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and to the Jordan. He is accompanied by his servant, Elisha. Elijah tells Elisha to stay behind. He refuses, saying, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. At each town they are met by a company of prophets, who tell Elisha that the Lord is about to take his master from him today. After arriving at the Jordan River, fifty men from the company of prophets stand at a distance and watch. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, It will be yours Otherwise it will not As they were walking along and talking together Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire Appeared and separated the two of them And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind Elisha saw this and cried out My father, my father The chariots and horsemen of Israel And Elisha saw him no more Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two.
1: Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we um, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing each one of us here so that we can fellowship and worship and share um, later Holy Communion, Lord. Lord, right now, open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears for all that you have for us today, Lord. Have us be changed and transformed by it into the people that you desire us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, wow, what a great story this is about Elijah. And for us to better understand it, we need to know a little of Elijah's backstory. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of all time. And a prophet is someone who speaks on God's behalf. His prophetic ministry was during the times when there were kings in Israel about 600, 860 years prior to Jesus being born. We find Elijah's story in the beginning of. Seven, and sorry, we find, the, <laughs> we find Elijah's story in the Bible in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, found in the Old Testament. During this time, the kingdom was divided between the north and the south. Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom, while Ahab was king. Now, Ahab, we are told, is one of the worst kings in Israel's history. The Bible tells us that Ahab has done more to provoke the anger of the Lord than any of the other kings before him. That's pretty bad. And to make matters worse, he married Jezebel, who was just as bad, if not even more evil and corrupt than he was. The two of them made one really Evil pair. Together they promoted all sorts of evil, like including murderous plots, deceit, lies, idol worship, and even worse, the worship of a false god named Baal. Baal, so it was thought, was the god of fertility who controlled the rain and the weather. So let's just say that things were coming to a head. In God's eyes and enough was enough. Can you start to feel the tension? One of the greatest prophets of all time going up one of up against one of the worst kings of all time. So Elijah was sent by God to confront Ahab and all the evil he was spreading throughout the land. Elijah had a really tough job that required great courage, humility, faith, trust, and most of all, reliance on God and not himself. So even though we might not face the same issues that Elijah faced during Ahab's reign, we do combat evil in many forms around the world, some worse than others. Things like materialism, pornography, adultery, violence, murder, political corruption, abuse of power, greed, and the like, we see it manifesting around us, in our communities, and sometimes even in our own homes. So for example, suppose you're at a sports event or a movie theater, and someone is using foul language that everyone can hear within a 15 to 20 foot radius. What do you do? That's the question. One time, Dave and I were dining at one of our favorite family restaurants. Red Robin, yum. You guys were the only service that got that. How awesome. Anyway, so we're there, and there's a guy who walks in. And he's wearing a a t-shirt with a full-length picture of a half-naked woman on it. It's like, yikes, what do you do? Are you ready in that moment to be God's spokesperson? When you see an opportunity to be the prophetic voice, do you take it? Inside, you know that what's happening is not right. It's offensive to those around you and to God. Are you ready to be obedient in love to do what God might be calling you to do? Are you ready to respond in a way that honors God? Or do you become self-righteous and condemn them? Or ignore it completely and not risk confrontation? Well, I suspect that for Elijah, he learned to be obedient to God first in the little small things before being obedient in the big things, like confronting Ahab, the worst king in Israel's history. His faith was real. It wasn't a lip service kind of faith that just speaks and doesn't act. His faith could be seen by others. So it's good for us to inventory how we're living, and we'll call it a sort of Elijah test, asking ourselves, are we willing to be obedient to God, even if it means stepping out of our comfort zone to follow him? When we do, there's this space that opens for God to work in and through us, Well, Elijah, he was one of those people. He was ready, so it seemed like in a moment's notice. When God said, go, Elijah went. He didn't let fear overpower him or cripple him, like it many times does to us. Doesn't mean he doesn't have fear. It just means it didn't stop him. So, for instance, when Elijah first confronted Ahab, Elijah told Ahab... It will not rain in the land for the next three years, except by Elijah's word. Elijah is essentially saying to the worst king in Israel's history that you are delusional, that you're fa- the, the false god that you worship. He's nothing. He's saying God alone, the God of Israel, the one I serve, who's creator of heaven and earth. He is the one, the only one, who has the power of to give and withhold the rain, not Baal, their god of fertility and rain. So, doing that alone was probably out of Elijah's comfort zone. After this, God tells him to go hide. I think I'd want to hide too after doing that. And he tells him to hide in a ravine where birds, ravens, would bring him his food, his bread, and meat every day. And he would drink from a brook. I can't imagine this not being out of his comfort zone, or ours, for that matter. Can you imagine, like, tonight you're hiding in a ravine, and your dinner meal is coming, and it's going to be dropped by birds? Sounds really appetizing. Anyway, later, as the brook dried up, God sent him to a poor widow at Zarephath, Now, she barely had enough food for herself and her son for one last meal, let alone the three of them. But because of God's provision, they were able to eat every day, the three of them, for a really, really, really long time. And the thing is that obedience pays off when we follow God's ways and not our own. So these few examples that I just mentioned are the beginning of Elijah's recorded story in the Bible. The bottom line is Elijah trusted and relied on God's power, not his own. So this is a great lesson for all of us to learn. As far too many times, what do we do? We tend to rely on whose power? Our power, right? And not on God's. And Alan and Carrie just talked about that last week. We want to stay in our own little safe bubbles, free from the risk of looking foolish, being rejected, failing, or being hurt. There's a problem with that, though. God doesn't work in our safe little bubbles. God is calling us out to be the light. And many times, it's uncomfortable. So here we are at the end of Elijah's story. It's his last day. He's about to be taken up by God in a whirlwind. What a way to go. Notice, however, that on his last day, Elijah is still listening and being obedient to God. God said, go to Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan, and Elijah went. At each one of these stops along the way, Elijah and Elisha meet the company of prophets that are in each of these towns. Elisha, we know from scripture, had previously been anointed by Elijah to be his successor. Elisha has become like a son to him. Elijah has become like his spiritual father and teacher and mentor. So Elijah has probably spent a couple of years with him by now. And during this time, he would have been teaching, preparing, and encouraging him to come and listen and follow the ways of God. Elijah was preparing Elisha for his own unique ministry, journey, and calling. And we all have, each one of you, have your own unique ministry, journey, and calling. So I can just imagine those final words of encouragement and instruction that Elijah spoke as they walked that day together. There is one thing however that strikes me about this day is what Elijah asks Elisha before he's taken away. Elijah said, "Tell me, What can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha replied, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah responds by saying, You have asked a difficult thing. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. So Elisha, Elisha asked to inherit a double portion of Elijah's spirit. It's kind of like him saying, I want the inheritance right of a firstborn son, but instead of receiving a double portion of your stuff, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now, Elijah knows right away, this is really a difficult request. Elijah has paid his dues He's walked out his faith one day at a time and it hasn't been easy He's had to confront kings as a result. He's hidden the land for three years Relying on God to provide his food by ravens and a poor widow. He's been hunted by men He's run for his life in addition to many other trials The prophetic life can be a really hard life But with each act of faithful obedience, Elijah grows in God's spirit and power. The same is true for you and I. With each act of faithful obedience, we grow in God's spirit and power. So Elijah has earned his stripes in the field, so to speak. So yes, this is a very difficult thing that he has asked. Yet he says, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. And that's exactly what happened. Elisha saw the chariot of fire and the horsemen. His spiritual eyes were open. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot and horseman, And he tears his clothing as a sign of his genuine heartbreak that Elijah, his mentor, his teacher, his spiritual father, had just gone to be with God. Now, Elisha's story continues in chapter 2 with verse 13 and beyond, which I'll leave for you to read on your own later. You see, Elisha's story is our story. The critical question For each one of us is not what Elisha does next, but what we will do next. As believers in Christ, we all have the opportunity to receive a double portion of God's spirit. The question is, is after we receive it, will we walk by faith? The next time we feel that nudge in our gut to step out in faith, will we be obedient? Will we take the faith step and walk in God's power and not our own? Or will we be like the company of prophets who stood by and watched but did not see? Now, earlier, I shared about the guy who walked into the restaurant with a half-naked T-shirt, you know, woman on his T-shirt, and he was in his 20s. He was with a younger woman and a four-year-old boy. When I first saw him, I immediately got, like, really upset and angry. I couldn't believe he had the nerve to walk into a family restaurant with that shirt on. It was just wrong, not to mention offensive and degrading to women in general. And what kind of message is he teaching that four-year-old boy? My whole body, like, literally began to shake. I got that upset. I kept thinking, we have to do something. We have to do something. And Dave is like talking me down off the ledge because I was like so upset. (laughs) He's like, calm down. (laughs) Well, anyway, after some time passed, I did calm down. I ate my meal. I still was upset, but, um, and we were ready to leave. And I was ready to talk with him. And I don't mean, like, get in his face and give him a piece of my mind, talk to him. I mean, that might have been in the beginning, but not there. But I really was ready to talk with him. When I looked up at the table where he was sitting, he was gone. I was like, phew, okay, thank you, God, don't have to do that now. And then we're walking out of the restaurant. There he is. He's walking straight to me. (laughs) My whole body literally starts to shake again. And as he passes by me, I say, excuse me, sir. We're now like eye to eye. And I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And he kind of like says yes. And I just say, you know what? I have to tell you, when you came in and I saw the shirt you were wearing, I got really upset. It was really offensive to me. It degrades women. And um, it's not something I want to see when I go into a restaurant, a family restaurant. He looked at me immediately and said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I could immediately tell he felt bad. He was embarrassed. And um, when we parted, I got the sense, I was like, I got the sense he was not going to wear that shirt anymore. (laughs) So consider Connection Church, that there are people who are watching how you're living. Family members, kids, strangers, friends, friends co-workers, classmates, congregants. The question is, is what are they seeing and learning by your actions, words, deeds, and choices? This would be a really good time to evaluate, inventory, and take the Elijah test in our own lives. Asking ourselves, are we living our lives for God in such a way that someone would even want a double portion of our spirit. Or are they more interested in your stuff? Stuff is perishable. Here today, gone tomorrow. But our spirits are eternal. It's not always easy living for God. And God never promised us easy. Easy. He did promise to be with us. So what's important for us to not lose sight of is we are, we really are, you are passing the torch. We are passing the torch to the next generation. The question then becomes, what's burning in your torch? What are you passing? A spirit of fear or courage? Pride or humility? Foolishness or wisdom? Bitterness? or forgiveness greed or generosity hate or love reliance on ourselves or on God well our hope and prayer for each one of you is that as you you will walk out walk your life out in a way that honors God and that does require the latter and it also requires obedience Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for today, Lord. Lord, I pray that each person here, that we would all receive a double portion of your spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that the next time we have that nudge in our gut, that we will respond in a way that honors you with love, faith, trust, courage. Lord, we just um, pray that we would be obedient and listen to those nudges. Give us the strength to walk by faith one day at a time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org.